Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends. Welcome. Get ready for some awesome. Every time. Jonathan, you know what else is going to be awesome? Malibu. Exactly. Hey, what, uh, what do you think we should be talking about when we get to Malibu, you and me? I don't know. I'm going to rebrand it after hearing the podcast um, you did with... <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Okay, first week of May. It's May 1st through 4th, Malibu, California. Pepperdine Bible Lectures, now known as Harbor 2018. Special speakers include Fate Haygood's going to be there, Rick Atchley, Christine Kane, Brian Zahn. Yours truly and Jonathan's truly will be there as well. Brian Zahn's prayer school the day before, Tuesday afternoon. Don't want to miss that. Join you go into it? I, I think I should. I think it's a great idea. Heck yeah, man. I am totally signed up for it. I'm pumped about that. We need to sign and up I'm for that? I'm pumped that you're going. Why is that? If anybody... Wait. I'm still doing my New Year's resolution. <laughs> I think it'll improve your life. <laughs> I, think, I think it'll be good. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. Uh, so what, we got a lot to talk about this month. We, we do. It was a great month. We've got man. Calvinism, pornography, creativity. I mean, that's your three favorite subjects right there. <laughs> well, I like to mix them all together. You know? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I don't think I want to know what that means. I, <laughs> please don't send in any emails about what that means. I don't want, I don't want your <laughs> like. I've got some very funny things that are popping into my head, but I'm not going to put them out for public consumption. That's probably a good idea. Probably a good idea. Uh, Jonathan, let's just start. Let's just jump right in. All right. Okay. Let's uh, let's do reverse order. Okay. Have you seen uh, Black Panther yet? No, no, no. Let's do the right order. Let's do. Let's start with Erwin McManus. Okay. From your old, I get, that wasn't your office, but it was your old job, your old church. It was, and I think the year that I. That I would, I spoke at the men's retreat, like at a pre-conference thing. Mm-hmm. It, it was the year he was supposed to come, but got cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and luckily he's doing better now. Um, mm-hmm. All better. I didn't know it was as serious as he said. Yeah, I, I. Yes, I had actually had conversations about setting up a podcast that time with him, and then. Um, it was just about to be announced, so they said, hey, we're not going to do this podcast. He just got mm-hmm. diagnosed. But, um, yeah, it sounded like it was um, – I, I don't know. I mean, it seems like if you get cancer, no matter what exactly the diagnosis is, there's a level of severity that comes from just hearing the word cancer. Oh, yeah, you're right. Nobody ever thinks cancer. and It's like, well, it's, it's just cancer. common cold. Yeah. 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 So I – do you remember when Erwin McManus first, like, came onto the scene – I mean, he had such a like fresh voice, and do you remember that? It was like I, early two thousands. I knew about him, but I didn't really know any of his work. I don't think I'd even I listened to his podcast off and on, mm-hmm. but I didn't really follow. I don't think I've read any of his stuff until that book. Uh, oh man, well, I haven't read the Last Arrow, but I had read up until then just about everything he had done, and then he, he kind of fell off the face of the earth. It felt like and. Hearing that he he had like murder threats and no. I, why? I, well, I remember he had a, a book with Harper One that came out a few years ago, like the, the Artisan Soul. And mm-hmm. I okay, call my Harper One P or I email my Harper One P. Say hey, I like to do the podcast, and 
pretty much got nothing from it because lo and behold, he writes in this book about how he just didn't want to be involved in the whole media circus and people asking him questions. And it seems like he just is able to disrupt the the status quo and people don't like mm-hmm. it. It's not like his theology comes across. Right. As- it's not. It's that's the thing. He he said like he got more he got in more trouble for Rob thanking him in books than he did for anything he ever wrote. Yeah, I went uh, I went back and looked and Love Wins. It was first rec- acknowledgement is to Irwin and I think El- Velvet Elvis. <laughs> that's a, a chocolate covered turd of acknowledgement. <laughs> yeah, this is the one that's going to get me uh, written off from half of evangelical Christians. And hey, you're an evangelical pastor thank you for the idea i can't imagine rob thought through that that oh yeah no no not at all like i I wouldn't see that which brings up a second question did rob not think that the book would have the reaction it did because there's no way he does that to erwin if he actually thinks through that but okay that's that's another yeah i don't think i don't think i i i don't think and i don't know but i don't think he thought it because he had preached that stuff he had preached love wins at his church, and I think people that knew kind of um, the things. Uh, well, anyway, if you have a relationship with someone, you're going to be far more generous to what they have to say, and you're going to hear, they, hear that's right, differently. That's right. I mean, and I guess. Yeah. So, and if you have a relationship with someone who is very much opposed to what you're saying, mm-hmm. you might not be generous to the other person. Like, for example, that uh, New York City interview that he did. On uh, or it was a oh uh, Martin Bashir yeah. that guy yeah that yeah <laughs> yeah I remember getting grilled by Harper One about um, tell me about this interview you're going to do uh, where are you coming from what's your position and that was the only time that ever happened I think that is the post Bashir huh. effect um, <laughs> anyway. uh, okay so going back to old Erwin McManus <clears throat> his thing about institutions are fear driven and so they want leaders that reflect that sort of the ethos of the church. Mm-hmm. Have you thought, have, what? Never. Oh, what do you, okay. Here, here's a, a, a question that I think gets at that. What do you think he is on the Enneagram? A, f- a four with a four wing and a four in health and a four in stress. I don't think he could be more, f- <laughs> could he be more <laughs> four? Know, right? It was so obvious. He had two different shoes on. Who does that? A yeah, four. And, and then just the, the way he was answering questions, like, uh, I, very much a four and i've i've learned fours that's the way they think about institution um you know it's they they don't want to keep the pattern from generation to generation because the pattern's broken and there needs to be um and and you kind of need those prophets in the wilderness who you know have this isn't this isn't good we we need to we need that kind of constructive criticism. Yeah, and you know, I I was thinking about Ian Cron and the church he planted, mm-hmm. and you know, chasing Francis, and um, it, it feels like if they got in a room together, they would really hit it off. Yeah. Well, if you think about the four pastors, you know, I think Brian Zahn is a, he's definitely a four. Erwin, mm-hmm. Ian, uh, my good friend Jason Miller, he's a four, and there's an mm-hmm. all like. There's a different energy they bring than your stereotypical senior pastor who is a a three, an eight, or a one. I mean, there's just a different feel, and you need 
again, this is what the Enneagram teaches us. We all are created in the image of God. A four brings an image of God's creativity and uh, like the prophetic voice, which I think God inspires in people. And if you don't have uh-huh. them, like churches never kind of do the critical thinking that we need them to do or that we need us to do. Yeah, that's right. What does a, a seven senior pastor look like? Like N.T. Wright. No, no, not at all. He's a seven. Not He's 100% a seven. Yeah, that's true, but I was thinking more like Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just I have one seven pastor in mind. Yeah, okay. L- that's probably We've talked about Rob enough. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> whatever, okay? Let's move on. Enough about Rob. I did like his... Um, I did like his stuff on, I feel like my job in preaching is to destroy people's perception of reality, not to reinforce it. Yeah. I thought, oh, man. And he has done that for me with, you know, so I, I could think of a few examples of sermons that he had preached 10 years ago that I still think about. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the problem that people have in church, and this might segue to Jared C. Wilson and Joel Osteen, but a lot of problems people have in church is that they're thinking about their life in ways that are actually harmful, not helpful. And um, the, you know, like there's a way to bear, to go through suffering that you can bear up under it and even find God's redemption in it. Mm-hmm. And there's a way, uh, there's a, a contemplative mystic Christian guy named Martin Laird, is that his name? Who says, so much of suffering is that we're thinking we shouldn't have to suffer. That adds another layer of suffering Mm -hmm. on it. And so there's a real um, Henry Nouwen's thing on ministry is confrontive. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I thought thought Erwin McManus is a great example of somebody who's done that. Yeah. That we want someone who's going to comfort us and give us order, but the job of the prophetic voice, the pastoral voice, is to sometimes dis, uh, discomfort, disorient. Yeah, disorient, to create mm-hmm. discomfort and to jar things loose. Because if you look at the life of Jesus, he's constantly doing that. And Yeah, hey, I'm glad the big crowds are here, but um, you guys are wicked generation, or you are, y'all, y'all need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Um, if people are always saying, hey, that was a great sermon, that's exactly what I needed to hear, it, it might mean we're not doing our job. And it also, like, there's the weird thing of, if you're constantly creating disorder and disrupting people's thinking, then it might appear as like, you yourself have it all figured out. But I think the job of a, like a healthy pastor who channels like all the facets of God's work in their life is that they're willing to allow the way that God disorders them to be transmitted to other people. And to mm-hmm. let yourself be disordered too, and even though you're the one saying the words, you know that you need to hear them just as much as the next person. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't know if you feel like this, but when I get, for lack of a better term, a word from the Lord, I feel like it mostly convicts me before I preach. Yeah. Man, I'm not doing very good at this. Yeah. That, that's one of the reasons I really like to write in advance sermon series, so, right, so that yeah. I can let that mess with me. A month in advance mm-hmm. or six weeks in advance. I remember, do you remember on, in, in we were in Greece, uh, having this conversation because we're talking through all the stuff that we're doing that fall mm-hmm. and we're both kind of coming to the thing like, 
we're kind of idolatrous in this. Yeah, I remember both of us saying that about you. Like we were both saying you're really <laughs> idolatrous. <laughs> we both said that. Yeah, you, you were very affirming. Yes, I also see in that. You. In, in you. you. Yeah, but that's why you've got to <laughs> smoke something before you sell it. I mean, you, you've got to let it do its non-illegal smoking, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just... That, that's why it's so dangerous to like write your sermon on Saturday night. You're like, oh, this is a good idea. This is the word. Right, this right. is the word I got from God this afternoon in a tweet that Joel Osteen posted, and I'm going to turn that into my sermon for tomorrow. But <laughs> I like your caricature. I don't know who's <laughs> preaching Joel Osteen sermons from the tweet mm. before. Well, know. I I didn't want to talk this much about you, but I guess we we brought it up. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Okay, another example of my idolatry. When, so I asked Erwin about cancer. I just got a message or seen something about a, a friend on Facebook who was just starting chemotherapy. And so I asked him this question, hey, what would you say to this to, to Tamara? And uh, he says that. And his first response was, how can you say something so impersonal to something that is so personal? Oh, I love Isn't that. that really good? I love that. Man, here's what I thought about him. This is not a guy who's, who, um, this is not a press junket. You know, there's there's sometimes you do podcasts, and I've done podcasts, and you're gonna have you're gonna have to do those podcasts soon, where you're just basically like, all right, here's my talking points, and people have emailed the people that you're interviewing the questions that they're supposed to ask you. So it's just not an interesting conversation. Never, I never, you know what I, I mean? never read those papers that come in. You get uh, you get those yeah. Every though? time a book comes in, there's a two page paper that or double sided paper that's. Triple folded, yeah. Right, it's like shortcuts for not having to read the book. Which, I get that, but yeah. And, but but he didn't but, come across uh, like that. He was just... He didn't at all. Like, um, I've, y'all didn't even talk about his book. Um, like, towards the very end, you know, there was like... And I could, I could tell it, it kind of did to you what it was doing to me when I was listening to it. But, um, you know, the, the stuff he would say was always like, well, hold on, I, I need to follow up I know. to that. I, I found myself literally with my mouth open at one point going... I've never thought that. Anyway, brilliant mm-hmm. guy. Uh, brilliant guy. Now, I know you're ready to transition and talk about something that you really love, um, Calvinism. So when you saw Jared C. Wilson, and the C does stand for Calvinism, I'm sh- I haven't confirmed it, but I think we all know it does. How excited were you? I mean, were you like, finally, one of my people died in the I was excited. You have a- I was excited because I feel like you're branching out. That's what I was excited. Or for. he would say, and what I mean, bring grafted what? in. I think that's what he would refer to me. I mean, grafted in. Finally. <laughs> no, I don't think he would. Say <laughs> <grafted> in. <laughs> uh, I think he would say, you know, that it's not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's limited atonement. <laughs> After spending an hour with you, <laughs> it's not. It's not for everyone. I mean, no. I mean, so oh, here's the thing, like. We we all know Calvinists, and you know, in our tribe, we're we're mostly not Calvinists. I don't really know anybody who is a tri- well. I do know a couple, but I like you know, kind of that we're trying to be a unity movement. And here's the thing: we're saying today, we're saying like, oh, we're post-denominational. No, we're not. We're just drawing new lines. Yeah. Like denominations were. Back in the day, we're built around charismatic people, and it's the same thing happening today. Yeah. You know, it's the same from the first century. You follow Paul, I follow Paulus. And one of the best things that the churches of Christ have 
is we're trying to be a unity movement, which means we don't have to agree on everything, but Jesus is enough. And um, we have deep disagreements with um, people who are, you know, I can think of a lot of groups of people that I wouldn't agree on, but I still think Jesus is enough. And um, I think you interviewing Jared C. Wilson, because I didn't know there was two Jared Wilsons. I'm pretty sure I've... Yeah, there are. Um, I thought that was an interesting conversation. Um, <laughs> I felt like the uh, farewell Rob Bell or oh hell, hello Rob Bell. <laughs> I'm really surprised we both didn't take the same one on that. But you know, at least we could come together. Yeah, I would. I would. Uh, I guess he. I guess you got to toe the party line or something there, huh? Yeah. No, I appreciate how charitable he was, and uh, he was charitable, right? I mean, he. I, I've seen his stuff online. I thought, okay, this is a, a dude that'd be fun to talk to. And I think he mm-hmm. he was. I mean, I I would hope that I could do for Church of Christ and what he's doing for like the Gospel Co- Coalition group is that he could be a you know a positive voice that says, hey, th- we're we're a good group of people that you know we're, yeah. we're human and and <laughs> you know we're not you know we're not some of the caricatures that that come out about us. So I you know I respected that. I appreciated about him. And he it seemed like he was pretty honest about about like the internal stuff and that's one of the things that I think is often lacking with yeah. groups of cro- talking across boundaries is like hey this is we have our own junk and yeah. I think that that's the worst part of social media is that it becomes oh you're the guy oh, from yeah. Gospel Coalition so we'll give you 140 words or 280 or whatever it is now and that will be our dialogue back and forth and it's even though like we're just FaceTiming me and Jared at least we're able to Take 45 mm-hmm. minutes. I'm going to listen to what you have you say. I'm going to ask some follow-up questions. I'm going to hear where you're coming from. And I feel like we're all better off when we do that. Yeah, yeah. You know that um, Calvinist, the reform crowd, they use that language uh, winsome a lot. Yeah, they do. Ex- the only reason I know that word is because of one of my Acts 29 friends. Man, I've, yeah, I've heard it for a decade. And I really like that word. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, there's been sometimes some discrepancy between the people using that word <laughs> actual but um, you know like for for me keller keller is i think the best face of of calvinism mm-hmm. and one of the reasons where i'm like you know like for example i don't agree with uh i'm, I'm nt right on justification i like nt Wright's take on it way more than john piper yeah. but I do see Keller as somebody who is living it out. So he's very open to criticism. He's I've never seen him get defensive because I, that's what somebody who was believed they were justified by faith in Jesus, not in their own works or size of their church or you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so there, there's definitely some positive stuff that I think other Christians can learn. From the Acts twenty nine crowd, and and one of the best church planners in Abilene, or one of the best churches in Abilene, is an Acts twenty nine church. You know Austin? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in school together. I didn't know they're Acts twenty nine, but that sounds about right. I think it, I think they are, and he's a great yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, that's there's a lot of great dudes. I wouldn't say a lot of great gals, but you know that's. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, yeah, there's one point of contention. <laughs> yeah, that so, that's not going to be there. Um, I did appreciate it. You guys threw Stephen Furtick under the bus a few times, didn't you? <laughs> I don't, I think I just, I'm my statement and I stand by it. If I had to choose a year of theological training or weight training with Furtick, I, I would like to lift weights with him. That's what I would choose. So just to flesh this out, are you insinuating that he is using some kind of human growth I, hormone? I did not insinuate anything. I simply stated that I have been around gyms since I was in junior high. And so I've seen a lot of people get into fitness and get into lifting weights or, or CrossFit or bodybuilding or whatever. And the typical transformation that people have uh, isn't always as consistent to what I've seen on the internet of Stephen Furtick. I'm just saying he's made some serious gains. That's all I'm saying. He's a, he's a big armed man. Yes, he is. That's true. Yeah. And, and I, But I wouldn't put him in the same cat. And I don't, I'm not a, a Furtickian. <laughs> is that a great word? <laughs> that is a great word. Yeah. It makes him sound like so a theologian to say a Furtickian. Fertic- it's just but a fun word. It is. <laughs> so I don't know much about him. I think I read a book, like his first one or something, and I know he's friends with Jonathan Martin. Yep. Like, was really good to Jonathan Martin through his kind of ministry crisis. Yep. Um, but I wouldn't put him in the same category as a Joel Olstein. Really? Okay. I, 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 my experience I with him is exactly the same as you. I haven't read any of his stuff, but I've, you know, I see the YouTube clip or, or the uh, Instagram video or whatever, and I know that Jonathan Martin speaks very highly of him. And so, because of Jonathan's statement about him, then. Um, that matters to me a lot. I, I appreciate, appreciate yeah, yeah. how he's been there for Jonathan during a tough time. Um, Although I've also had friends that I did not agree with on almost anything that I've had to defend. Yeah. And, you know, just sometimes even support them with like doing wrap up and stuff. Hmm. I mean, things like that. Hey, I mean. So I get, you know, maybe Jonathan's not 100% behind. I see what you're doing there. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That's all right. That's all right. When you get. F- yeah, that's fine. I'd be here for you. Whenever, <laughs> when you ever shipwreck, shipwreck your life, I'll let you write some sermons for me. That's what we'll do. And I would do the same thing for you. Um, where, was I, where was I going with this? Oh, I think he is. I think he's the, um, the next generation of uh, Joel Osteen. I think he's... 13? Yeah, I think he's... Uh, like, obviously, the, the, uh, the packaging is different of, like, suit and tie and all that. And... Where Furtick is, but I feel like he's in that same, like, very positive and like motivational, and he's, you know, having a, a touch on a lot of people's life. I, I would definitely put him in that. Who, hmm. if you had to say the next generation of of Joel Osteen would be anyone? Uh, man, I would look more towards like uh, TBN. I think there's a better chance that some kind of person on the Trinity Broadcast Network is the next Joel Olstein then yeah. all right well yeah, we'll see we'll see I mean he's a church planner he's uh, I, although I don't know I mean I, I feel like I'm talking about stuff that I don't know anything about and I'm saying that in terms of you would have a universal reach you would have you know a, a big impact and um, anyway whatever enough yeah. enough for ticky and discussion I appreciated Jared C Wilson talking about the uh, the leadership issues that have arisen in that sort of X-29 Calvinist circle. And mm-hmm. while I think it might be an overstatement to say it's just because of their theology, I think every like subgroup of Christianity has issues like this. I, I do think 
his acknowledgement of there has been dysfunctional leadership at the very top of it, and that has impacted how people have led. And like, I, I appreciate his willingness to be honest about that stuff. Dude, so just to put the podcast before in conversation with this one, one of the most profound things Erwin McMahon has said is, if you think God is famous, if you think your go- the goal is to try to make God famous because that's what God wants, then you're going to try to be famous. Mm-hmm. Instead, we should talk about God's humility, mm-hmm. um, which I thought, I mean, I think part of the leadership struggle, that, and, and this is not just Acts 29 people or Reformed people, this is something that you and I struggle mm-hmm. with, right? Like, um, the desire to be famous is is almost diametrically opposed to humility, and if God is anything, God is humble. Yep. God's fame is built on the fact that God, yeah. you know, emptied God's self, yep. right? Like, yeah, and I think if if God is always about being strong, then you're going to feel like power is your move. But if you see God as the one who self-empties of, like, if Christ Him is the center of your gospel, that Jesus became nothing, then that's right. the, the, the tra- trajectory that we would be on as well. So, But I remember when I was at Passion Conference when I was like 20-something, hearing John Piper talk about the renown of God, and just my heart swelling and thinking, yeah, that's what we should do, and and so I I've, I've always I, had an issue with that because it seems like if God's greatest glory, like God's what is what is the line that the, God's most glorified in us when we're most yeah, satisfied. But if the the biggest thing is God's glory, what does that just make God? Like God created this whole thing so that we would tell God how great God is. Like that is not a very compelling picture. If the biggest thing is for us to say, God, you're great. So I don't think that's for, I mean, here, ugh, now. Yep. Here it is. Now, here, okay. I don't think that is for God. I think that's for us. Yeah. I think, like, God is, is uh, it, like, I, I get that statement. God is most glorified in us when we're more satisfied in Him. Um, we, when we are not trying to be glory hogs for ourselves, but just appreciate that all good things, even the good things that we do are, from God, not from ourselves. Um, I do think that's helpful for us. Like that is when we give away, right. it is better to give than to receive. That's Jesus 101. But if if God is always saying, I need someone to tell me how great I am, that mm-hmm. doesn't make God sound that sovereign. That's a, that's a negative way to put that. I don't think that's what that is. I think it's, um, you know, because it talks about God's glory a lot in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I, I I feel like C.S. Lewis could help me here, mm-hmm. but I think I think Jesus is where we, we go. Yeah, on, yeah. We? We'll go to another Calvinist to keep you in your your wheelhouse. And I I saw right there there's a Calvinist merit badge which you almost received for standing up for God's glory. <laughs> Maybe you can get one as we talk to uh, our friend Jamie Ivy from. Is she a she, Calvinist? She's Austin, Austin Stone. Stone. Yeah, her yeah. husband's the. Uh, I like the way you carve up the world so neatly. Yeah, just. <laughs> Jamie's a Calvinist. Jared's a Calvinist. Mm-hmm. Erwin has cool shoes that are opposites. But, I mean, then. So we knew before the foundations of the earth that she wasn't going to, or God knew that she wasn't going to like Christians make the best statements. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Like, I didn't I didn't realize Annie was going to bring that up. You know, I know that hurts your feelings, but, you know, that's fine, man. Like, I was so proud of that title. I, I was so proud. I know, and here's. I workshopped it for years. And here's the thing. You and. shouldn't be proud. You should be satisfied in God's glory. That should be enough for you. <laughs> I'm like, what you, you, you don't need to be proud. God's humble, remember? 
I'm, I, here's the thing. Hey, well, hey, Annie, guess what? I have also written books, and I have sold literally dozens. <laughs> yeah. So oh, we're both pretty successful at naming things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could write a book called 100 Days to Being a Homeschooler. Maybe that would... <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're so proud of that I'm just saying like I'm I'm here for you I'm always giving you ideas I've given you great book ideas before mm-hmm. I appreciate it this is what makes my resolution hard <laughs> <coughs> okay um, you you want to talk about I, I really don't want to I I had a headache after that podcast. Like I'm, I think I said that on the thing. I literally was like, "Hey, I need some medication." My, <laughs> yeah. It was it, it was Monday see. afternoon, so I'm usually kind of dragging on Monday afternoon anyway. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that was didn't see that one uh, arising. That's what I get for not <laughs> reading chapter nine of the book. I mean, I I got halfway through. I only had an afternoon to read it, but um, I, yeah, I mean, I deserve that if I wasn't prepared. I was listening to that podcast with my kids around. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, whoa, 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 time to put in the earbuds. Yeah, well, there was a, the description, the show notes referred to uh, sex and pornography as the subject matter. So I didn't know it was going to be the only subject matter. <laughs> I thought like a passing reference to it. Okay, so I got the recommendation. Lindsay had said, hey, you should have her on the podcast. My friend Molly Davis, who I uh, used to work with up in Denton, she's... yeah." She's a big fan of Jamie's, and uh, so I was like, okay, we'll do the podcast, set it up, and then I started reading the book, and I was like, oh, we're just, we're, we're talking about sex this whole time in the book. Um, okay. This is- well, hey, I thought the conversation was great, and uh, actually, so I've preached a, about porn, written about porn a lot, Wait, and I thought- for I mean, or against? I, I knew, okay, just I checking. Against. Just checking. I was against. Um, but I, and I've known like some- women in college and in pastoral ministry that have, you know, said that they struggle with porn, but generally that were the exception that proved the rule. And I, I've heard like people say, well, it's growing trend among women as well, but I did not know those numbers. And it did, so pass on my thanks because it did change the way I'm going to talk about it in the future because I don't want to make a, a woman who's struggling with that feel like she's disgusting or nope. something or it, it uh, not only changed how I'm going to talk about in the future, it changed how I'm thinking about parenting. And mm-hmm. I, as a, a father of daughters, I knew there were a lot of, uh, obstacles that would come up in our parenting that we need to be very prepared for and ready to talk about. I didn't think of that as one of them. And now, uh, reassessing the old dad game because of that conversation. So have you, have you had the talk with, any of your kids about yet? porn? No, oh, no, about the birds and sex, the bees. Uh, we are late. The, my yeah. oldest is in third grade, and so we are. Yeah, yeah. ours is too. Oh, obviously they're the same age. Yeah, have you? Leslie yeah. did, and when she, I'm not going to say her name because of what I'm talking about. But when our oldest got back, she, I knew she was going. I looked at her before she left. Never going to have this moment back, you know. And she comes back and she goes. I can't believe you do that, to mommy. Yep. Yep. 
But yeah, so I, I did, Leslie and I had, you know, like we, we have the same kind of philosophy that it sounds like Jamie has about we're, we're going to be brutally honest with our kids because we want to be the mm-hmm. ones that tell them these things. And um, like it's hard as a pastor because like this week or in three weeks I'm preaching on Proverbs and sexuality, so I'm going to talk about Me Too stuff a lot. So I, I sent the sermon last week to our children's minister because I know there's a lot of different philosophies of parenting. Some want to like protect for as long as they can. Yeah. You know, it's going to be age appropriate for the most part for even younger people. But I don't know how you do that in church without addressing stuff that you know, call it, especially in a college no. city. I mean, it, sex know? is such a central part of the messaging people are seeing day in and day out. Uh, advertising, mm-hmm. TV shows. I mean, it's just all over the place. You can't not discuss it. Um, you're, I know some of your kids sit in and listen to you preach. My my oldest do, mm-hmm. do as well. I mean, obviously we have great children's ministry. Our kids just choose to do that. But I don't feel like I need to, like it, as a parent, my kids are in there, but I'm making a choice to have them in there to hear com- conversations that are going to be above their, their pay grade. And I I feel mm. like if you just don't talk about that kind of stuff, where else are people hearing a message that has been filtered through through Jesus and Scripture and the Bible and Christian theology? Right. Uh, so I, and has such it's full of such consequences. We live in a really foolish world right now because we're trying to pretend like it's sex is both nothing and mm-hmm. everything and has no consequences yep. to it. And yet we know, like when the Me Too movement happens. We know, like, that's a lie. And it's a lie that we've built almost an entire society. Wait, around. tell me the connection to the Me Too movement. What? And sexuality? Wait, you... Like, okay, so sex, sex isn't important. But we know whenever there's abuse, it's more than just physical mm-hmm. abuse. Like, there's something that happens. Um, when they were talking about the shame that goes along with it, like... You don't have to have you don't have to be a Christian or hold to the Christian sexual ethic to realize that our society is incredibly foolish when it comes to this because we're saying one thing and in our deepest intuitions we don't really believe no. it's true. Yeah. No, I want, you know what I mean? I want to, and I always go back to this. We are so naive about sex and we, we think it's just casual, mm-hmm. it's just an orgasm, it's just, you know, it's just a hookup, and we don't realize the spiritual significance of the act of sex and we are we we that's right you give part of yourself away and you receive something and you you know like there's a so one of the things i was thinking when they were talking was the shame that they felt when they came to church because when we did our christians make the best atheist stuff on Mm -hmm. aphrodite that was some of the feedback i got was that people felt shame and i felt i felt really Mm -hmm. heavy about that because i do not want to shame people i think that's a, a, a difficult tool i wonder how you because I think God does something too, though, and I wonder if some of that's conviction and what ways you can preach and talk about like this is God's best de- desire for yeah. your life. Um, and you know, a lot of us have fallen short of that, but from here on, we can we can make wise choices. The, How can you talk about that without shaming? I, I, and I think this was your insight actually that that uh, we both used is the original stuff about head covering was an act to mm-hmm. say, I know in our culture, many of you single women and 
prostitutes and people who are considered unclean don't get to wear a head covering. But in the church, everyone wears a head covering. And all along, the church has been trying to say, y'all are treated no matter how broken you are. And I did did this thing that you probably didn't do because of the story where we're coming down the hill and there's a lady who who broke her leg and you just walked on the other side of the road because you had to get to somewhere holy and religious to go to. And I stopped and I helped them like a good Samaritan. I helped them too. After I called you back. But... But I didn't see. I know her. that's the point. Like the mm-hmm. in the, the the Good Samaritan story, they didn't see the person because they were religious leaders had their own thing to do. But that's, I took. It's not the point of the Good Samaritan story. They saw they, her, or they saw them. They just walked on. I didn't. You see. saw. But the point I was trying to say is that we all end up broken, and we when we worship the God of sex, and we have transitioned to, to more today of when we have naive, naivete about what sex is. People are always getting broken. And I think the church uh-huh. would be this place where we don't feel shame, but we feel embrace and grace. Yep. Okay, we're running. I love, by the way, Annie Downs thing on True Love Waits. If you're listening, Annie, that rocked. So maybe you can be nicer to Jonathan's book titles in the future. Is that what you're trying to do right there? <laughs> yeah, come on. No, no it, I thought that was a great insight, too. All right, we've got a few minutes left. Have you seen Black Panther? I have not, so I did skip ahead when you said uh, spoiler alert for about five minutes. We're talking about... I'm going to take my oldest, too. I want to take them. Okay. Well... I got the movie pass because of your suggestion, by the way. Congratulations. The... You haven't seen Black Panther yet? No. So, I'm going to see... Good grief. We have five kids, Luke. It's not like I don't have kids. I have three kids and a, and a dumb dog. I know, but we can't do like so. Leslie and I don't get to go see movies together because we still have a you know fourteen month old yeah, baby. Just leave your family and go watch a movie by yourself is what some would do. I'm not saying I do it. <laughs> yeah. Some do that. Okay, fine, fine. You didn't see it yet. Um, okay, a couple of things about the thing. Do you know uh, I, what? I, I listened to a podcast on This American Life about Afrofuturism. And just the kind of uh, what what fate said about how there are two things that he said that I thought were really powerful. One, the uh, most narratives that involve black people or a majority of black people are black, about black suffering. Mm-hmm. And you know, to see to see a story that's not about that, you wouldn't you if you know if you're watching movies and identifying with characters. Um, think about how damaging that would be to your soul over the course of decades if every time you see someone who looks like you, they're a slave or they're impoverished. Mm-hmm. Or the, it's the civil rights movement, which is great, but it's still not like just normal life. Right. You know, you're either getting arrested because you won't take your right seat on the bus or, you know, or, or, or heroic. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was really yeah. good. And I think it... it, it retells the story of Africa that hasn't been abused and adulterated by colonizers. Uh-huh. And it values uh, the black origin story that, that we don't typically have. And I, I, I thought it was, yep. it was beautiful. And reading his stuff about how those stories still impact black culture today. The, the woman he told about mm-hmm. who would uh, excessively spank her children, who would beat her children... And she didn't realize, oh, this is something that was trained into her decades before, or generations before, and that right. still affects how she understands her parenting. I mean, just positive mythology about 
the the black experience and, and valuing black beauty, I think is something that as like as a white person, I want to acknowledge and I want to support and uh, you know champion in whatever way I can. Do you know about the story of Stetson Kennedy and Superman and the KKK? You've told me this, yeah, because I know you love Superman, and somehow he undoes the KKK. Does he? He does, yeah. So just comic books. Tell the story. Tell the story. Done subvers- uh, this guy named Stetson Kennedy, KKK was really blowing up. There were like presidents in it. Um, Hold on. United States presidents were in the KKK. Yeah, or like future presidents, mm-hmm. maybe. It, but it was like a, a kind of respectable thing. People were like proud to be a part okay. of the KKK. And Stetson Kennedy, who is very much against it, um, goes, I think it was like back in the 30s, goes and joins the KKK and rises in the ranks and then starts passing secrets to the radio show telling the adventures of Superman. And Superman starts fighting the KKK using their secrets against them. And so all these kids are like, pretending to be Superman, fighting the KKK, and they're doing these, like, they're acting out these secret rituals that the dumb bad guys are doing, and the dads are like, oh, those are our actual rituals. And so it helped stigmatize the KKK um, way back then, and it was using superhero stuff. Yeah, and the DC... Kind of a legacy of this. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's beautiful, and the fact that uh, Dr. King and Malcolm X are seen in the X-Men story... And it's mm-hmm. an allegory, maybe not just an allegory, but it's it's that's underpinning of it. I think it's brilliant how storytellers are trying to do something more substantive than just entertain people. And I know there's been mm-hmm. the criticism of like this, Preaching. yeah, the celebrity at the award show um, telling you how to vote. Yeah, tell, and I get like we shouldn't listen to celebrities as though they are the expert on political issues. I fully get that, but whenever someone says just stick to art, like just sing us a song or just play back, just shut up and dribble to LeBron. Mm-hmm. All like all good. You're art. not, a, there can't be an actual person. Yeah. They're, it's dehumanizing. Cause then you're just one, you know, you're, you're good at basketball. LeBron. Yeah. So we should listen to everyone's voice. I mean, that is the, the bedrock of democracy and it, you shouldn't elevate the celebrity as though they are the ideal, but you also shouldn't say that their art doesn't communicate a message. Every, every yeah. art, every piece of art has a message in it. Yep. So speaking of that, you did a good job this month. I mean, you 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 had a lot of people from a lot of different, you know, heritages and uh, backgrounds talking about a wide variety of stuff that I think is really important. And the best part of Churches of Christ is that we wanted to be a unity movement. So thanks for putting that forward, man. You're welcome. I'm glad to be... <laughs> Gosh. Being the the Pope of the Church of Christ, oh, I feel like that's that's me. where I'm going in the future. Twenty thirty. Uh, so, what candidacy? Speaking of the future, what's next month? Well, in two hours, I talk to your beloved favorite guest I've ever had, Indy, AJ right? Swoboda. Your oh, cool. your best friend. He's coming to Abilene. Yeah, in because he's got a new book out, and you're going to have him come and talk about his new book, Your Church. Have you read it? Yes, but like you're you're bringing him because he's your friend to talk about his new book at your church, huh? You yeah. do that for friends when they have books that come out. <laughs> really good friends that I agree with, like theologically, and I don't think will do damage to the church. Yeah. Okay. One. Just just wondering. <laughs> Fun. I gotta go to lunch. 
All right, man. Yeah. It was a good what month. So AJ Sabota is it? That's the only podcast for the entire month. Okay, March it's going to be. It's a real short wrap-up. Just one <laughs> podcast. I'm going to go cry now. Hey, you should bring up to AJ that when he came to Abilene, I told him he drove in late at night. I told him to eat Whataburger because he was asking what's good mm-hmm. in Texas. And he ate Wiener Schnitzel instead. He just didn't know the difference? <laughs> he saw a big W, and so he ate like that. Wiener Schnitzel instead of Whataburger. Okay, I'll do that. All right, Johnny. Thank you. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.